Hi, Don Brave for the Calgary Herald here with Chris Varco, business columnist. I usually write about politics, sort of, and he writes about business a lot in the intersection of business and politics. And have we got stuff to talk about this week? Because Trudeau came to town for one of the more dramatic visits uh, the prime minister has made. And he, it has to be said in fairness that he's visited Calgary a lot. He's probably been here eight or nine times, maybe more since he became prime minister. But this was a big one because everybody was expecting some kind of action on the whole question of the monstrous price gap. I was shocked, Chris, to look at some of the prices and to see that the Hardesty light was selling for $7.40 a barrel on November the 20th. Um, and this is a genuine crisis. He proclaimed it a genuine crisis and then then went back home without doing anything or saying he was going to do anything. And, uh, and people were expecting some action. The province is promising uh, to do some things on the rail front, uh, to get rail cars. They actually dropped some carbon tax for drillers. So they're taking some kind of action, trying to pressure the feds into the kind of action they pressured them into with the pipeline. No, there was lots of provincial pressure there, and they finally went and bought the pipeline. I think they've come to the conclusion in Ottawa they, they're not going to do that for Alberta again. But Trudeau left a very sour impression in this town. And maybe uh, you could talk a bit about the uh, the details of all this and what the chances are that they might actually do something, or are they just going to let it run out um, until maybe the prices go up? Yeah, Don, the, uh, the, when the Prime Minister came to town, I think you're right that the expectations were high, that he was going to come here and he was going to do something. He was going to announce something. Uh, I think people were looking as much for anything for symbolic help. Yeah. And, you know, that they have a plan, a master plan to deal with this crushing price differential, which is going to cost the provincial treasury billions of dollars next year and the federal treasury as well, as well as billions of dollars of revenue from producers if it's not resolved. So the expectations were high. And, of course, the delivery was low. In fact, there was really no delivery. He was asked several times by reporters, and then he also did a, um, a question session with the Chamber of Commerce President, Sandeep Lally, about what are you do going to do? What is the short-term solution for the next, you know, 6 to 12 months to deal with this differential? And there was really no answer, other than we're going to wait and see what happens on the Trans Mountain Pipeline, which is now stuck in limbo. I was thinking about this, and I really equate this to your house is on fire. You go out front, and you're watching a burn, and your neighbor comes over and says, gee, I really feel badly for it. By the way, your lights are on. Maybe you <laughs> want to turn them off. Well, you know what? I mean, we, I think we all understand there's a crisis here. The question is, yeah. where is the federal leadership to deal with the crisis? Yeah, I'll just, can I just say, like, I, with a lot of national experience in this stuff and having worked in Ottawa, worked in Montreal, all over this country, I can tell you that if this was going on in Ontario, they would be arriving from Ottawa with Brinks trucks full of the stuff. Uh, it, it's a, you know, a trite conclusion that Albertans who are profoundly anti-liberal or whatever draw all the time, but I've never been more convinced that it's actually true. He comes here and he says, he declares a crisis. He says it is a real crisis. And, but they're not going to do anything. What kind of federal government says there is a crisis, big word, and then leaves without doing anything? Well, I think that's, I think what was irritating and very, you know, um, I guess upsetting to a lot of people in the room and outside of the room who are protesting as well, which is you expect when the prime minister comes and declares a crisis that there's a plan. And there is no plan. And I, you know, I talked to the head of the Canadian Association of Petroleum Producers and the head of the Canadian Energy Pipeline Association. And they said, we got no options here. 
Like that's what we heard was no options. Now, I think everybody understands this is a complex issue. And, you know, the prime minister is making the point there's no real silver bullet. But I think you have to do better than that. You can't just simply sweep into a community where there's a lot of anxiety and make no mistake. The oil patch is saying if this issue isn't resolved in a matter of weeks, not months, not years, but weeks, the winter drilling season is in peril. That means mm-hmm. companies are going to stop spending money. That means they're not going to drill wells in the winter, when is when you're typically is your most busiest season for drilling. If that happens, that means less jobs, less investment. So the is stakes why, are high. Uh, Chris, is that why Notley uh, announced this uh, uh, forgiveness of carbon tax for drillers, uh, retroactive and current? Well, I don't know if it, that oh, was driving it, that. but but I think that certainly the timing of it fits into the context of the fact that, you know, there, there's an issue here. The solution I think the province sees is, is sort of a short to midterm solution, which is bringing rail cars on. That if the federal government ponies up some cash to buy locomotives, then they can add a couple of additional unit trains. These are large trains carrying, you know, uh, maybe... 60,000 barrels of oil behind it on on unit cars. So they could ramp up 120,000 barrels a day. That would help alleviate some of the crisis. But when when can they do it? Yeah, the problem is is it would take 9 to 12 months to order up these locomotives. This is not a a short-term weekly solution. And I think that's probably part of the federal government's trepidation is why would you spend a lot of money that might not provide the short-term relief? All that being said, what's the solution? Is the solution curtailment, which is a provincial jurisdictional issue, or does Ottawa have a plan? And at this point, they've got no plan. Yeah. So, so Chris, the capital cost allowance that the federal government brought in on Wednesday when they, when they uh, brought down their fiscal update, they're presenting this as a kind of uh, solution. Well, it is helpful, surely, to yes. people who want to invest in Alberta, although whether they want to invest under these conditions is entirely... Uh, a big question, but they, it brings to mind the same thing. What they do is they announce something for the whole country because I think they're genuinely afraid to announce something for Alberta now after they bought the pipeline and screwed that up. But I think we have to look to a fundamental principle here. If you look at that federal court decision that brought down the pipeline, you can see that the fundamental responsibility was on the part of federal officials who failed to consult properly, who came into meetings and just sat there with their notebooks and took a few scribbles and left. And they were clearly just going through the motions. And and this is Ottawa's response. That's why I think that Ottawa has a really serious ethical as well as political responsibility to do something here because that, that extra year, and that's, just, that's what it's going to be, right, before the pipeline gets built, if it gets built, is their fault. And for him to come in and do that. Now, I wrote a column earlier this week where I suggested that Trudeau and the gang wants to shut down the energy industry. I think that's obviously true over time, over, over generations, and that the, the, uh, what they've done tends to exaggerate and exacerbate all of the other problems that have come uh, come along the pricing problems and everything it just made it worse and made this 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 end of energy come a lot more quickly and you know I would have thought that there was a lot of response to that it wasn't all positive toward me believe me but I would have thought that given that impression out there if they care anything about the political landscape in Alberta at all that he would have had something he could have announced something but uh, and your point is right in the sense that they wear the failure of what happened on Trans Mountain. With the federal court ruling, right? They're the ones who messed up the consultation with Indigenous First First Nations communities uh, across Western Canada. They also wear the responsibility for cancelling Northern Gateway. 
which would have been the more immediate solution right. if it had started to be built. Now, of course, the pro- there were federal court problems identified there that date back to the Harper government, but they're the ones who ultimately put the spike into Northern Gateway. So that's why I think the expectations out of Alberta and out of the energy industry was, you guys have to come up with a solution. Somebody has to come up with a solution here. Otherwise, this is going in a very bad direction. Yeah. Now, just to conclude, I'd like to uh, point out that there, there was a couple of demonstrators at the Trudeau thing uh, who had these horrible signs about Trudeau's mother. I think what happened here is, at least in social media context, a, a legitimate pro-energy demonstration was sort of hijacked by these extremists who said these horrible, hateful things that have nothing to do with the whole controversy. And um, uh, I think most most people here would certainly reject any idea like that. But it's kind of kind of painful to see Calgary getting slammed as this alt right haven because two people did that. Now I I once long ago in Montreal saw Maggie Trudeau when she was very very ill. It was totally inadvertent. I walked into the courtyard of the Montreal General Hospital, and there was Pierre Trudeau and Maggie standing there. We been with media scrum outside waiting for something to be said because she'd been hospitalized and I saw them uh, it was completely inadvertent I just wandered off the way I always do Chris you know that and and uh, all of a sudden there they were not 20 feet from me and they both turned around her face looked so disorganized she looked so ill and Trudeau looked at me with a look of pure hatred because he thought I was there on purpose and he probably thought I was going to write about it I never told my editors, I never said a word to anybody because I was not going to write that story. But then Maggie Trudeau goes on in later years to go public with her mental illness, to write about it, to write books about it. And anyway, those people who did that are contemptible. That's all I have to say on that, and Chris and I will be back soon.